Welcome to the Half-Baked History Podcast, where we get half-baked, and then we talk about some history. What's up, my nerds? What's up? We are in a new year, and we're changing things up a little bit this year. Are we? Yeah, because we know all of our subjects this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought you had a surprise. I wasn't ready for it. No. I was like, what are we doing different? <laughs> no. I re- we removed the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what resolutions have you signed me up for yeah i know but um yeah so we're trying something new yeah so here's to 2024 yeah so today we are talking about xerxes the first not the second not the second no not the third the first there's a third i don't know oh but we're talking about the first the first one the xerxes do you know anything about Xerxes? Any preconceived notions? No, I don't know anything about Xerxes. Okay. Um, he's got a cool name. Okay. But you did see the movie 300. I have seen 300. Okay. But I've seen it one time. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's not worth seeing more than <laughs> one time. <laughs> so. I mean, I've seen the most famous scene a million times. Yeah. So it's like... Do I need to see it again? Yeah. <laughs> it's a meme that's <laughs> yeah. been going on for forever. That's well, all That's all I know him from then. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so Xerxes is the villain of our story yeah. in 300. Does he have a cool mask in real life? Not to my knowledge. Damn. Yeah. I am already upset at <laughs> that portrayal. did not have like the millions of piercings that uh, the Xerxes in the movie had. Okay. Would have been kind of badass if he did. Yeah, that would have been pretty sweet. But no, he did not. Okay. So Xerxes was born around 518 BCE. Before Jesus. Before Common Era. Yeah. Christ Era. (laughs) So wait, before I get too deep into this, there are going to be a lot of like, we're going to get into the levels, into the details. So like- Details of what? Of like the- familial structure oh, okay we're gonna like paint a whole tree here yeah so right. like try to lock in that's good to know let me clear my canvas yes yeah, that's why so that's i can why I had to stop us let me yeah all right i'm prepared to draw this tree okay so we have darius the great as the dad yeah atosa atasa as his mother doesn't yeah atasa atasa's father so xerxes grandfather uh-huh he was Cyrus the Great. He's the one that started this entire empire. Okay. So he's he's like the first seed of the tree. Yes. Basically. He, yes. He is the one who came, like, who brought the Persian Empire together. So he's very powerful. I see. Okay. There's already too many the greats, by the way. There's already two. Well, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna last long. They're old. They're That's gonna true. die off. So okay. we're gonna dive into what the so their empire was called the Achaemenid Empire. So we're going to dive into like some background on that. Okay. I'm not even going to try to say that one. I had to write it out phonetically for myself and then just hope that I remember through my notes. <laughs> I was say, how confident are you? Not very. <laughs> <laughs> so the Achaemenid Empire was the ancient Iranian Empire. 
And this was founded by Cyrus the Great in 550 BCE. Okay. So are we like in Iran? Yes. It's based in modern day Iran, and it was the largest empire in history up to that point. Wow. Okay. The Roman Empire is not a thing yet. Oh, okay. We are pre-Roman Empire. We are ancient Greek time. People aren't even thinking about it. Not once a day. Not even once a year. The Roman yeah. Empire doesn't exist yet. doesn't exist yet. yet. So some of the cultural advancements in the Achaemenid Empire is they came up with like roads and organized postal service. Like they are the creators. Oh my God. Thank you for the postal service. First off. We love our mailmen. What a good idea. So like they're the ones who decided, hey, if you want to send something five houses down. We're going to have a dude that'll walk it down there for we, you. We got a dude for that. <laughs> That's exactly it. He's going to walk on this new thing. It's called a road. (laughs) Yeah, they just came up with this shit. They're just full of great ideas. Man, I wish I was around when ideas like that were just happening. place? I know. Think of the ideas you could have come up with. I feel like we don't really have that many good ideas anymore. (laughs) There's no good ideas left. (laughs) We've kind of like gone through them all. We've peaked. They also had or they were the first culture to have like an official language across all of its territories. So like that wasn't a common practice before that. All right. I mean, that's, that's helpful when you're building an empire. Yeah. Everybody needs to understand who's in charge. Right. (laughs) The Achaemenid Empire didn't fall until 330 BCE. So like 200 years after this, around the time of like Alexander the Great. Okay. Because he's the one who conquered them. Mm, another great, <laughs> yeah. the greatest of greats. The, greatest. <laughs> the great to end all greats. He said, no more. <laughs> I am the final great. So at that point, it becomes the Macedonian Empire. And then later, this becomes the Ptolemaic Empire. Oh, all right. Shout out Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. So not much is really known about Xerxes' childhood, but we do know what like a typical upbringing for a Persian prince would be like. Okay, so just lump him in there. Yeah, we're just going to put him right in there with them. So according, and this is according to the, from the Greeks, we get this account. Okay. They are raised by eunuchs. By the age of seven, they learn how to ride and hunt. That's like, okay, that's your benchmark. All right, hold on. I'm still stuck on the eunuch part. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just jumped right past it. Yeah, no, I, I don't care about hunting. <laughs> <laughs> We're let's, going back. Let's go backwards. Why? <laughs> Why specifically? I don't know. Yeah. There were a lot of like eunuchs hanging around back then. <laughs> there were. They're like, they pop up everywhere. I don't think by choice, though. Well, no, I don't think so either. But like, it was a popular thing back then. I mean, it was a thing. Okay. Right? Sure. So are you good to move on now? They they know how to ride and hunt. Yep. Now you can accept Now that. what happens? <laughs> by the age of 14, they're being taught by four teachers who push the values of being like, you must be wise and just mm. and brave. And, oh. you know, you got to learn the basics. Okay. I mean, so they're like, it's like uh, finishing school. For princes. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And that's when they're taught about the basics of like Zoroastrian religion. Like this is where they get all of their learning. Ah, okay. This is the fancy fork. Yeah. This one's for the salad. (laughs) 
So once the princes turned like 16 or 17, they begin a 10-year mandatory national service. Not not oh. in the army. Of a what? national service. To what end? They <laughs> they practiced archery and javelin. Okay. And then they did more hunting and they like competed for prizes. So it's like kind of like camp. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it kind of sounds like a <laughs> summer camp, years. right? For 10 years. That's what they're doing. They just compete for like 10 years. Yeah. And like. Weird. Practice Olympic sports. I guess there's nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they can go hang out at the mall. Yeah. Like, I mean, you got to make yourself like good at everything so that you can like, you have shit to do. Yeah. Well, and it's BC. There's there's nothing around. There's nothing happening. They just invented roads. <laughs> What's and a prince going to do all day? a combined language. <laughs> so once they completed their 10 years of service, uh -huh. whatever that means, they then go on to serve in the military for 25 years. Oh, my God. How long are people living back then? I mean, that's it's like, like your whole life. Yeah, but like it's a it's like a myth that people only lived to like 35 back then. I mean, I know that, but still. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a long time. Once they finish their military careers and they are like retired, mm -hmm. they are then elevated to the status of elders and advisors to the king. Ah. So this is like the payoff. They are on the Jedi Council. Yes. They make up the Jedi Council. Yes. Man, finally, they're recognized. Like, can you imagine <laughs> to prove yourself you have to hunt? And you have to throw a javelin. For 10 years. For 10 fucking years. Your arm would be so tired. They're probably jacked. Yeah, I know, but it still gets tired. Yeah. And then you you become an elder. You are wise. You are wisened and you are advising a king. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you probably are kind of wise because, like I said, I don't think that many of them lived to become like on the council. That's yeah. 35 years. Yeah, what's 27 plus 25? 52. So they're like 52 years old coming out of the military. That sounds like old. Yeah. Because like, like the military, you're not working a desk job. No. Like, you're on the front lines. Yeah. Well, especially <laughs> in those times. Like, yeah, you're doing shit. Okay. So it's assumed that Xerxes completed a similar education and training, at least some of that stuff. Maybe not, you know, to the point where he's serving in the military for 25 years. Okay. But, but he, he knows how to throw a javelin. Yeah. He can throw the best javelin of any of them. Yeah. Don't give him a trident. Watch out. He fought for that prize. <laughs> and he got it. It's also not known if Xerxes could read or write because the Persians preferred oral history over written history. Mm, no wonder they were a failed empire. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pass this down like a game of telephone. Yeah. <laughs> Surely no one will get it wrong. So in 486 BCE, when Xerxes is 32, his father, Darius the Great, mm -hmm. he's preparing for another war against Greece. And at the same time, he's dealing with a revolt happening in Egypt. All right. So he's yeah, got a lot going on. That's a lot on your plate, the great. <laughs> so before he could go off to war with Greece or like smash this revolt, he had to officially name his successor. So he names Xerxes. Okay. That's like pretty funny. 
that they have to like they they even thought of that. They were like, okay, now we got a plan. You've got plan a lot. You've got a lot on your plate. Who's uh who's the backup plan yeah. here? <laughs> Next of kin. So Xerxes, he's like the de facto leader. Yeah, basically. Just a few months after he names Xerxes as his successor, Darius the Great dies. <laughs> he's like in his 60s and he just dies. Ah, man, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. He he was the great for enough time. Yeah. Now it's Xerxes' turn. He wore out his welcome. Do as we the know great. like what what were the circumstances? I think it was just like a natural death. It wasn't oh, okay. like anything shady. That's what Xerxes wants you to think. That's yeah, that's what he wants us to believe. <laughs> that oral history <laughs> can change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So Xerxes ascends to the throne, but this wasn't an easy ascension. He has a half brother, Ardo 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 Bazan. Ardo Bazan. Ardo Bazan. <laughs> he is Xerxes' half brother. Okay. So he has his own claim to the throne because he's actually the eldest of Darius's sons. Oh, all right. So he's like, listen, little bro. I'm in charge. Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so Xerxes, though, so like I said, this is his half brother. So mm-hmm. Xerxes plays the grandpa card and he's like, listen up. Ugh. Arda Bazan. My grandfather is fucking Cyrus the Great, who won the Persians their freedom. So I have the better claim. Yeah. Who do you think you are, man? You're just like a half bastard. (laughs) Basically. Basically. You're like barely my brother. I'm the king. So yeah, I mean, there's really like no arguing that that the grandpa card. (laughs) He just wins. (laughs) That's his trump card. He's like, it's over. Yeah, it's done. So at the end of the day, Xerxes is chosen. He's crowned at the tail end of the year 486, and he has like a very smooth transition to power after once Artabazan gets out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there's no more opposition. And why would there be? Yeah. Grandpa. Back me up here. That's right. We were all in. So after his ascension, Xerxes begins his rule with military campaigns. He's making a name for himself. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's the only way you can back then. You can't be like a nice charitable leader. No. Like, we've already got roads. The postal service is a plus. They're they're working as they should. I need to conquer. We need to expand. People need our roads. <laughs> and we will force them into there. <laughs> you take our roads and you are going to like it. So he ends up squashing the Egyptian revolt that was happening at the time of his father's death. He appoints one of his brothers as the governor and like Egypt is like taken care of. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's already like ticked one thing off the box. Like, dad, you couldn't do that. I finished it. No problem. Over the next two to three years, there are multiple revolt. There are multiple revolts in the state of Babylon. So Babylon was kind of like this separate entity within the Persian Empire. It was Uh, like, so it's in the, it's kind of like Washington, D.C. It's mm -hmm. not a sovereign nation, but they have like their own rules. Uh You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I guess like Egypt was kind of like that with Rome. Yeah. For a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. And like the king 
of the Persian king would have like the title King of Babylon in his name. So like, yeah, they're, they're in the fold, but they like they do their own thing. Uh huh. We don't they don't like the Persians. And so they so they revolt. They revolt mm. for the next two to three years. The exact cause of the revolts are unknown to time. It was oral history. They didn't write it down. Yeah. Well, it was something. But something set them off. <laughs> something pissed them off real bad. But it ends with Xerxes dropping King of Babylon from his title. Oh. Suck on that, Babylonians. Yeah. I mean, they probably like that. They probably were happy about it. But then he divided their city into like smaller subunits. Ugh. So he was like, fuck you. I'm breaking you up. Mm, that's no good. According to ancient texts, it's believed or assumed that after these Babylonian revolts that Xerxes went on this like brutal rampage. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, it's time to crack the fuck down. I, he is not fucking around. He allegedly destroys their fortifications, damages their temples, and he carries off this golden statue. That's like <laughs> the patron deity of Babylon. Man, what a douche. Yeah. This guy sucks. And he has it melted down like, ha ha, in your face. <laughs> it's melted. That's even worse, man. He melts it down. Yeah. Man, what a turd. Yeah. So the Babylonians hate Xerxes. Yeah, I think with reason. Okay, so let's get back to Darius's to-do list. Yeah. He crossed off Egypt. That's done. Mm -hmm. He had this little side thing with Babylon, but he, he squashed it. It's fine. Now it's time to take on Greece. Yeah. Back to the plan at hand. So starting in 483, Xerxes begins his own preparations of taking on Greece. They go through some pretty extensive preparations for this Ooh, war. Tell me all about them, please. It takes them like six years to do all of this. Okay. <laughs> they have to store provisions like along the road of the march. Oh, all right. Well, so they yeah. have to send people ahead to do that. That's smart. They had to dig an entire canal to like get through. Oh, my God. For the size of this army. Then they had to build two pontoon bridges across a like strait of water man they do this all over six years just yeah. to invade greece just to invade greece and like nothing like this has ever been done before yeah they're like shit the persians really want to fucking take us yeah like, the they're... greeks are like oh my god they they're... are coming they're really working for this guys <laughs> yeah. they might work so he builds these pontoon bridges across this like strait of water. He has to build them twice. The first time, they're destroyed by a storm. <laughs> they had to rebuild the whole thing, but before they rebuilt it, Xerxes had to punish the strait of water. He could not let that go. What did he do? <laughs> what what do you do? He had the water whipped. <laughs> 300 times <laughs> and he dropped a pair of shackles in the water to signify that it was like his slave uh man you take that water <laughs> wow can you oh my god imagine <laughs> like imagine thinking you have dominion over that yeah in any capacity like this is our divine right how dare you fuck it up? Yeah. I mean, 
they now you know you know what he thinks about himself very highly yes <laughs> very mighty very godly one yes. might say <sighs> so all of those preparations took them three years to complete to get all of that together okay so I guess it wasn't like six years that he spent. It was like three years. Okay. Well, still, I mean, that's a long pretty, time. It's pretty impressive, though. Yeah, that is a lot. So Xerxes sets out in the spring of 480 BCE on his Greek campaign. That summer, we're brought to the Battle of Thermopylae. <laughs> Thermopylae. <laughs> it is so fun to say <sighs> Thermopylae. I love this. Right? Tell me all about the Battle of. Thermopylae. Thermopylae. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to set the stage. Okay, yeah. So as we know, Darius the Great, Xerxes' dad, he was planning a Greek invasion six years before this. Yeah. He was laying the groundwork. Yes. He was putting in that grunt work. From 499 to 494 BCE, the Persian Empire was involved in the Ionian Revolt. And this was basically just like Greek states... Revolting against Persian rule. Okay. We're not a fan. No. They hate it. <laughs> so the cities of, or like the Greek states of Athens and Eritrea. Sure. We'll go with that. They joined the fighting for the Greeks. So okay. ultimately, the Greeks lose the revolt, but they like come and help the revolt out. So Darius vowed that he's going to punish every single one of you oh, that yeah. were involved in the revolt. Of course. He's had water whipped. No, that was his son. This is his dad. Oh, This that's is right. before that. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, though. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this guy's pretty annoying. <laughs> pretty annoying. <laughs> he's, he's pretty annoying. <laughs> That Darius guy. Oh, he's such a gnat just flying <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> so Darius is going to especially make the Athenians. He's going to make them pay. He's going to make the Athenians pay. Oh, what? These motherfuckers. What They're the you, worst of those what Greeks. What were you all thinking? <laughs> How dare you? So before he goes to war, Darius sends emissaries to all of the Greek states in... Basically, like, asking them to submit to the Persian Empire. Hey, if you just if you just give up, we won't fuck you over. Kiss the ring. And we'll just bring you into the fold, baby. Yeah, you can be Persians. Yeah, it's awesome. We have roads here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they all agree, right? Well, a lot of the <laughs> Greek cities do oblige after witnessing, like, what happened in the Ionian Revolt. Okay, yeah. So they were like, we don't want that fucking happening to us. Yeah. Yeah, well... You're cool, Persians. We're in. We accept. Everyone except for Athens and Sparta. Okay. This is why he has it out so bad for them. Yes. This is why we hate the Athenians. <laughs> so he sends out these emissaries to go like spread the word, get them to submit. Mm. When the emissaries arrive in Athens, they throw them into a pit. <laughs> That's just it for them. They're like, nah. You're done. Bye. In Sparta, they just threw them in a well. Yeah. 
And that's where the famous, like, this is Sparta scene comes yeah, from in 300. They just, they're like, we don't care. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. We submit to no one. So this basically puts the Athenians. Is it Athenians or like Athenians? I, I mean, tomato, tomato. I don't know. It just feels like I'm saying it weird. You just know? pick one and go with it. Athenians. What, is, what does your gut say? My gut says Athenians, but it's easier to say Athenians. I guess I just got to realize it. Okay, okay. This puts the Athenians and Spartans at war with Persia. Okay. But Sparta did end up sending two Spartans back to Persia to be like, hey, sorry about your guys. We threw in the well. You can uh, do the same thing to these two if you want. Toss them right in. They submitted. They said they were going to do it. It's cool. <laughs> so basically like, okay, sorry, but like, nah. Yeah, we will not submit. So Darius, of course, is pissed the fuck off. Yeah, he's like, all but you guys. So a battle ensues because he's like, I'm going to make you fucking pay. I told you you were going to pay. Man, so he goes. And now you're paying. He like goes to war with them. Yeah, he goes to war with them. And they have the Battle of Marathon where the outnumbered Athenian army somehow won the day and sends the Persians packing back to Asia. Mm. They didn't know what they were getting into. They're like, listen, the... The cobra's going to strike, man. Keep fucking with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. So Darius is uh, hes pretty salty. Mm. So four years later, he's like, all right, now's the time. Now is the time. I'm going back to Greece, and I'm going to fucking kill all of them. Man, so he's going to hes gonna go for round two. He's, going, he's coming back for round two. I mean, I would be pretty pissed. If all but these two states submitted. submitted, and then they sent me with my tail between my legs after my first battle. Yeah. So it's like, you. I mean, you got to follow up with something. Yeah. He's just had like revenge on his mind. He's just been scheming yeah. and plotting for years. For years, like four years. So as we know, though, Darius never makes it back to Greece. He dies before he can go see battle again. Yeah. So Xerxes is like, all right, this... This is what I was born to do. This is my father's legacy, and I will fulfill it. This is my destiny. Yeah. So over the next 10 years, Xerxes puts together this massive land and naval force. While he was like doing all of his preparations yeah. and like all of that, he spends 10 more years getting all of his soldiers together. He's going to have a grand army. He has somewhere between 120 and 300,000 soldiers. <sighs> Yeah. That's a lot of men. He's ready, dude. That's yeah, he's ready for like the planet. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> like everything. He's like, listen, if I'm gonna check this box, I'm gonna do it fucking right. Yeah. And I'm gonna leave no trace. Oof. So what happened? So a lot of the Greek cities, when they see this huge army, they're like, Yeah, we are we're submitting. We're yeah. cool. We made the right call. Yeah, we're doing the right thing. So they just kind of let him through. The Athenians weren't just hanging out waiting for the Persians to come, though. Uh, they knew. They've been plotting, too. They were like, listen, I know you're fucking coming. Yeah. And we're not going to be caught with our pants down. We see you. Xerxes. Our pants are going to be up and button tight. <laughs> so 
they spend or they spent the last few years building up their entire like naval fleet and they have all of these ships but then they quickly realize that they don't have the manpower so like what are we going to do we can't fight on land and sea yeah so they have to make a choice they have to make a choice Ugh. so at the same time that Xerxes is making his like pontoon bridges to get over the water that he whipped yeah <laughs> <laughs> A Congress of Greek representatives from all of the different like city states come together and form a confederate alliance against the Persians. Oh, so they're like separatists. Yeah, and this is like a huge deal because Greece at the time was in complete chaos. These city states are like always warring with each other. Yeah. Like nothing's ever just cool and copacetic, but they're like, "Listen, we hate all of you, but we hate the Persians more." Yeah, like we can't we're banding together. We can't cede to them because then we'll just be Persia. Yeah. And then we can't fight each other. And don't you love fighting each other? Yeah. Isn't this great? Yeah. Let's we, keep that. We love that. The Greeks, though, realized that the Persians, to be able to get to southern Greece where Athens and Sparta were, they would have to go through this very narrow pass called the Pass of Thermopylae. Mm. We're Thermopylae. back to Thermopylae. Thermopylae. Oh, yes. Where I've always wanted to be. So since this is like a super narrow mountain pass, super easily defended. Yeah. Like they'll never get through. It's so, like a big bottleneck. They're like, you're screwed. Yeah. We'll just pick away at you. Yeah. Keep coming. So they're like, all right, we don't need a huge army because we've got the Navy. They can like block them at sea. We're going to block them at the pass. Oh, this sounds like such a good plan. I feel like, how could it go wrong? How could it go wrong? I mean, they like... They know the terrain. <sighs> they know everything. Like, we got this. We fucking got this. I'm not scared of Xerxes. They did have a backup plan just in case they okay. did break through. So they were at least like smart. They had this whole defensive plan and they like evacuated all of the women and children out of Athens. They were like kind of ready. Okay. So while Xerxes is moving toward Thermopylae, the Spartans, they're celebrating like a couple of different cultural events that they have. Including the Olympic Games. Uh, so they're just like hanging out, having a good time. Yeah. So they're like, listen, Athens, you can do all that planning. Cool. We're busy right now. It's time for sports. It's time to like have a good time, <laughs> not go off to war. They took this so seriously that it was like considered sacrilegious for the army to leave during this time to like okay. go fight a war. Yeah, like you would be disowned yeah. from our culture and society. You better not fucking miss the Olympics. Yeah. Motherfucker. You watch this ball toss. We are throwing javelins so fucking far. Farther than any Persian prince could ever dream of throwing a javelin. Wait till you see the long jump. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that like a thing? I don't know. Why do we measure how far one can jump? Because it's like test of athleticism but it's like such a weird thing to measure your springiness <laughs> yeah. like it's so weird how right? good of a human spring are you yeah <laughs> it's just weird. am i wrong no i mean it's weird it's when you, all like, weird think about it it's pretty weird <laughs> <laughs> so this is where king leonidas of sparta comes in he decides he's going to take 300 of his most like loyal men that are his royal bodyguard and he's going to head to Thermopylae and block the pass. Mm -hmm. He's like, y'all celebrate 
We'll just take a little bit of our army. The rest of you can stay. So they're going to pick up as many Greek soldiers as they can along the way, though. Because they got to pass through like Athens and the other cities. So they're like, hey, anybody else want to join? We're going. We could use the help. Yeah. (laughs) So they end up gaining like 7,000 soldiers by the time they get to Thermopylae. All right. I mean, that's not 130,000. But But it's something. That's that's something. To just guard like a mountain pass. That's something. Yeah. So Leonidas camps at the narrowest part of the pass because, of course, he knows, like, where this pass is and, like, where's a good place to block from. He's been planning. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. So he camps at the narrowest part of the pass, and then he sends a thousand men to guard this mountain path that, like, goes around the pass. Okay. But, like, nobody really knows about it. Mm. So we don't think the Persians are going to come that way. Yeah. But, like... We're going to send some guys. In, in case, case they do. We're going to have somebody there. Yeah. So Xerxes and his army, they finally arrive at Thermopylae. Mm-hmm. All 120 to 300,000 of them. Yeah. And they send an emissary to negotiate with Leonidas. Let us through. And, uh, you know, everything it'd, will be cool. It'd be copacetic. They would grant the Greeks title of friends of the Persian people. Okay. Wouldn't that be grand? Wouldn't you love to be our friend? Just open this pass to us. Open this pass. They also offer them, you can resettle on land that's better than what you've got. Yeah, this place sucks. You can come live in our better places. Look at some of the conquered places we have. They're so great. (laughs) So Leonidas is like, nah, absolutely not. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, we're good. So the emissary is like, all right, then you got to hand over your weapons. (laughs) deal's over all right i knew i was gonna come to this give me your sword (laughs) can you imagine going into somebody's tent and being like all right fine give it to me how do you think that's gonna go so leonidas famously replies with come and take them yeah you want these come and take them (laughs) so the emissary returns to xerxes empty-handed he did not come and take any of the swords or weapons. Yeah, of course. So they're gonna they're gonna plan for battle. That's the natural next step. <laughs> you didn't like my emissary? Yeah. I'm gonna battle you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna go through this pass. <laughs> so at dawn the next day, he orders five thousand archers to completely unleash on the Greeks. Oh just no. Just a barrage yeah, of arrows. Just send them. Totally ineffective. Yeah. Because the Greeks have like their, you know, little shields. Their little turtle shield. Yeah, their turtle shield. They're doing the turtle shield. Yeah, they're like. like, "Mm, mm, mm." Yeah. (laughs) 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 No arrows are getting through the turtle shell. They never do. So that's totally ineffective. What is Xerxes to do? His arrows don't work. So he goes back to the drawing board. He's scheming. He's like, okay, what can I do? How does one pierce the tortoise shell? How does one get through to that juicy underlayer? <laughs> How do I break through? That tell me. He decides he's going to send 10,000 men to take the Greeks as prisoners. Mm. That's, that'll just stop them? Full send 10,000 guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has the numbers. Like He has the men to dispose of. Yeah. So why not try 10,000 of them? And these are the only two like people opposing him. So it's like... Who cares if I lose 100,000 men? Yeah. I'm done after this. This is it. This is all I need. 
This attack is totally ineffective. The Greeks have better weapons for this kind of fighting because they know what they're working with. Yeah. And they basically tear the Persians to like ribbons. Oh, no. The Persians are decimated. What a terrible fate. The Spartans barely lost anyone. (laughs) The turtle lives on. Yeah. (laughs) Xerxes then, he's like, okay, well, that didn't work. What's my next powerful move? What can I do? What do I have in my hand that I can like play? (laughs) Like like cards. Yeah. He decides, all right, I'm going to send out my force of the immortals. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? I'm so glad you asked. Because doesn't it sound so badass? I feel like that is exactly how Xerxes would tell someone about it too, though. Like, he'd be like, I'm going to send out my force of the immortals. And they're like, sir, you're what? He's like, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you about the immortals. Oh, he seems like he's such a drama queen. And like kind of pretentious. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. All right, but tell me about them. Okay, so the Immortals are an elite squad of 10,000 men that serve as the Imperial Guard. So they are like an elevated status, but they also are called Immortal because as soon as somebody's like sick or is killed, there's somebody right there to replace them. Oh, so there's always 10,000. There's always 10,000. They're never more, never less. Okay. Always 10,000. It is Immortal. (laughs) He sends his squad of the Immortals. This will do the trick. Yeah. This is what's going to pierce the turtle shell. These are my guys. And if they die, I've got 10,000 more. I've got 10,000 more just waiting. The JV squad. They'll be right there. They're ready. <laughs> Gotta elevate them. <laughs> yeah. Game's on Friday tonight, boys, this week. <laughs> the immortals are decimated. Oh, no. They are just like, it's totally ineffective. Man. Xerxes just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. I wonder, is he like... Like, do we think this guy's getting, like, affected by this at all? Or he's he's just like, I've just got more and more people to send. I think it's just kind of like, I got more and more people to send. Yeah, he's like, well, one one of these will work. One, sometime, there's going to be a weakness. <laughs> he takes the whole next day doing the same fucking thing. So Ugh. he's like, you know, I don't think he cares about yeah. the people. No, that's definitely, yeah. <laughs> but of course, none of this works. So he doesn't know, like, what the fuck to do. That is some seriously heavy losses. Yeah. I am surprised already. And the Spartans have lost like two guys. (laughs) (laughs) What? They got like lost just on a pee break. They didn't even die. Right. They just. (laughs) He just kind of fell down the cliff while he was trying to pee. All of that changes one fateful night when Xerxes is made aware of that mountain path that only a thousand Greeks are holding. Oh, man. Who snitched? Who did it? Let me tell you about Ephialtes. Oh, someone did snitch? Somebody snitched. Oh my gosh. This mountain path is very well known to like the locals because they're like city state, always fights their neighbors. So they're like, we know all about these mountain passes. We use them all the time. So all the locals know about it. We know their dirty secret because it's our dirty secret. (laughs) And we will never reveal our dirty secret. (laughs) Well, Ephialtes makes himself known to Xerxes, and he offers to guide the Persians along this path. Oh. I'll take you the way. Yeah. And he's like hoping in exchange he'll get like some reward. Man, he didn't work that out 
first. Like yeah. that would have been the first thing I did yeah, if no. I was snitching. He didn't work out the details. Mm. He's like, I'm just going to hope you, you know, give me a kickback. Wow. This guy doesn't sound like a good businessman. Well, spoiler alert, he never gets his reward. Oh. And his name becomes synonymous with traitor in oh, yeah. the Greek language. Like he's a Benedict Arnold. He's literally the original Benedict Arnold. Yeah. He set the framework. Yeah. He walked so that Benedict Arnold could run. And get shot in the leg. Multiple times. <laughs> On the third day of battle, the Persians take the mountain path and they shot the Greek soldiers holding the path, completely bypassing them and continue to encircle Greece. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? You can't stop them over there. Yeah. I mean, you're. it's literally just like a thousand guys in like this open plain. So yeah, if 10,000 people are coming toward you, your measly thousand isn't going to hold up. Yeah. It's over. Somebody was able to get away and made Leonidas aware of, like, they're coming around the back. Yeah. Where there's no holding them. So he decides he's going to stay behind with his Spartans. And he tells the guys that, like, came along the way, like, go back to Athens and, like, hold the line there. Yeah, go home. Defend. Yeah, because, like, I'm not losing 3,000 of you holding this pass. Mm -hmm. We can can plan again. Just get out of here. Get out of (laughs) here. Leonidas and his Spartans stay, and they did end up keeping like around 2,000 men decided to stay with the 300 Spartans. Okay. So there's they still got some numbers at this pass. Yeah. Some of the guys are like, you know what? I, I volunteer. Yeah. I'm going to stay. You, uh, you can't tell me to leave. I volunteer. I mean, also, it kind of sounds like this is the better place to be. People haven't really been dying that much in the past. Yeah, but now they're coming up behind them, so they're going to get decimated. Oh, yeah, that's and true. And they know they're going to get decimated. Never mind. <laughs> I don't volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they very much knew that this was to the death. There's yeah. no there's no getting out of this one. <laughs> Leonidas faces the Persians head on in an open field because he's like, all right, well, we're, gonna, we're not going to hold the pass anymore. You're obviously around it, so we're going to come and meet you out in the open. And scare the tits off you. (laughs) (laughs) That's our plan. That's the whole plan. This is the whole plan. Leonidas does fall during this fight, as well as two of Xerxes' brothers. Oh, man. The half-brothers? I think they're full brothers. Really difficult. Yeah, I'm sure he cared. Yeah. (laughs) The Greeks didn't give up, though, until they are completely surrounded on a hill and the Persians are like, all right, fine, bring the archers. And yeah. Just, just pick them off. Just kill them. Yeah. At the end of the day, the pass at Thermopylae was open to the Persian army at a cost of around 20,000 Persian men were wow. killed. The Greeks lost around 2,000. Man. That's it. Yeah, that's quite a trade-off. That's a huge blow. Yeah, but I mean, like we said, Xerxes could afford it. Yeah, I mean, he had... He had Plenty to spare. Even if he had 130,000. That's still 110,000. I was saying, that ain't bad. That's a big, between compared to their 7,000, that's still pretty good. <sighs> After the battle, the Persians recovered Leonidas's body and Xerxes in his fit of rage. He just went off. He just went off. So he goes off when they find Leonidas's body. He decapitates him oh, yeah. and crucifies him. Okay. I mean, he's already dead. But gross. His kappa is detated. (laughs) 
It wasn't until another 40 years later that the bones are finally returned to Sparta. Wow. I'm surprised they ever got it back, period, like, at all. Yeah. You know? Because you would think, like, it'd just get lost to time. Yeah, like, why would the Persians care? Why do I care about this dead guy's bones? Yeah. At the same time as the Battle of Thermopylae is happening, there's also a naval battle happening trying to open the waterways. Because mm. if you remember, we have our naval fleet. They're the ones like holding the river canal. Right. And they put like the majority of their forces there. The naval battle ends in a stalemate. So the Greeks retreat where the Navy helps to like get more Athenians out and like, all right. We can't hold them for long, so we're going to maximize our time here. So they, like, evacuate? Yeah, they help people to evacuate and, like, help to try and slow the Persians down, basically. Mm. So Xerxes and his army continue on. They sack cities along the way to Athens. Once they finally arrive at Athens, they completely raise and torch the city. Yeah. Burn it down. Yeah. This is my father's revenge. Man. Ain't it sweet? To think that's like what he lived for, you know? Yeah, like this is what drove him. Weird. Battles back then must have been so fucking crazy, dude. Oh, yeah. Wild to see. The city was so trashed that there is an actual archaeological layer of rubble that like the Athens then built on top of, but like archaeologists use this as like, oh, this is when Persia invaded. So like, oh, that's this year deep, basically. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know they did that. Mm -hmm. And I, also, like, how do you just build on top of rubble? Have you ever thought about that? You have to, like, level it out with, yeah. like, sediment. Mm -hmm. And then you build from there. You just start fresh. It's like you add a new layer to the earth. God, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But they did it. <laughs> they did it. Yeah, they built on <laughs> top of it. After the Battle of Thermopylae, that's, like, what Xerxes is known for the best okay this is his crowning achievement that was his yeah that was his moment mm. we are now on the downward slide of the pinnacle mm, of course after he achieves all his dad's dreams he, he just fucks up. <laughs> he's just like well what else do i do now i can't think for myself i don't know what to do beyond this point i didn't think i'd get this far wow so yeah this is where he fucks up he has majority control of like mainland greece okay and he decides to attack the naval fleet, because if you remember, they won like the first battle, yeah. the Greek fleet. So he decides, all right, we're going to attack now. This goes against all the advice from his advisors. There had already <laughs> been like two storms that hit their ships. Oh, so, like, no. The circumstances are not good. Ugh. <sighs> The Greek are able to lure the Persians into like this strait of water where they basically cut them off and trap them because the Persians didn't know like what, like where the water was going basically. And the Greeks are like, ha ha, uh -oh. we trapped you. Got you suckers. And they just like completely decimate the naval fleet. Oh, wow. The Greeks are, they take it. They take the W. Man, they take the day. They do. I'm surprised. I thought this was going to go the other way. <laughs> no. Xerxes does not win anything else now that he is now that he is oh. done winning Thermopylae. That's it. Yeah, he should have just stopped. Yeah, he should have just stopped right there. Like, okay, this is where we draw the line. Okay. So now that they 
don't have a naval fleet, he's worried that the Greeks are just going to go and destroy their like pontoon bridges and like trap them in Greece. And he worked so hard on those. He worked. He did it twice. Two times. He whipped that river. He said, listen, (laughs) you will bow down to me. So, yeah, he was really worried about that. And he decides to retreat back to Asia because he doesn't want to risk getting trapped. Yeah. I mean, that's probably smart because it sounds like that's what would have happened. It's the smart move. But then, like, it just, it didn't work out. Yeah. He's not what he's cracked up to be. No. He takes the majority of the army with him back to Asia, but he does leave behind one of his, like, leading military commanders and, like, a small force to basically finish off the job. Okay. So he leaves, I don't know how many exactly, let's just say like 50,000 men to take on the 7,000 Greeks. Man, I just, I'm still in awe of how big his numbers are. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to leave some guys. Mm -hmm. Here's 50,000. Here's 50,000 of them. Wow. So, I mean, it seems like he has like a pretty good force that he's leaving behind. If we're just looking at the numbers, he should come out on top. The following year after that, the force is completely defeated the greeks defeat the persians what yeah he like cannot hold the line oh my gosh and he just crumbles and he loses everything man when he had to be his own man he could not stand to the test he couldn't yeah he just he couldn't do his own thing wow how do you lose with 50k you know what i mean like yeah, and i mean listen we don't know that that's actually the number that sure, he left behind but, but- We would assume he would leave behind at least a third of his force. Something reasonable. Yeah. And he just completely loses all of it. (sighs) What does he do after that? Like, what do you do? After that, like, that's a pretty big military embarrassment. So he's like, no more. (laughs) No more military campaigns. Does he, like, retreat again? He, like, yeah, like, he just goes back to there, like, where the border was before. Okay. He returns home and he focuses more on completing different like construction projects. Oh, okay. So he's channeling his energy into like a new hobby. Into carpentry instead. So everything that his dad left unfinished, he was going to finish. Yeah. He completes a few of his father's palaces. He completes a treasury, builds his own palace. Oh, my God. So like he does a he does a lot of building. Yeah. Building is really his strength. I can't believe he finished his dad's buildings, too. Like, this guy... He can only follow a blue... A uh, blue... What is it? A blueprint? A blueprint. A blue... I kept wanting to say... (laughs) (laughs) I kept wanting to say blue map, and I'm like, no, that's not right. (laughs) It's not... A blue... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, he couldn't do anything that wasn't, like, on a blueprint for him. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad he's building stuff instead of like murdering yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, at least this isn't killing people. Yeah. His biggest accomplishment in his builds is completing and maintaining the Royal Road. Oh, excellent. Back to the roads. Back to the roads. Back to really back to the core of who they are. Yeah. This spans from the capital all the all the way to the edge of the western border of the like entire empire. That's a long road. Yeah. So it was like the biggest road at the time. 
Its length was 1,677 miles. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm impressed. That is a long road. If you were traveling on foot, it would take you 90 days to cross the whole thing. Man, that's a long... Three months. Long trip. Yeah. Do we know what the road... Like, did they pave it with anything was it just flattened earth i think it was just kind of like flattened earth yeah that's what i assumed but still i mean i'm sure in some areas it was paved maybe yeah very cool yeah and uh that like building all of that stuff pretty much took up the remaining 15 years of his reign okay that's just like he just kind of goes out on a uh on a builder's note. He just chills. He's yeah. like, listen, I did all that murder and stuff and conquering. I wasn't that great at, you know, finishing the job. I'm retiring. I'm just going to build things. Yeah. I'm just going to play with blocks for the rest <laughs> of my life. How Xerxes reign came to a close is a little bit fuzzy. Okay. So we're going to get into that. Fuzzy. We know one thing for sure, though. He died. He died. <laughs> In August of 465 BCE, he's assassinated by the commander of the Royal Guard. Ooh, man. His name is Artabanus. Artabanus. Artabadass. Mm -hmm. Dude fucking assassinated him. He rose to prominence in the Achaemenid Empire, and he became one of the most powerful, like, officials at court. Wow. He had a lot of sway, and that's who murders Xerxes. Man, so he was like, I've got everybody backing me. I'm just going to get you out of the way. Yeah, I'm just going to take you the fuck down. Damn. What gets a little fuzzy is the chain of events. So there are like two scenarios that could have happened of how Xerxes died. Okay, lay it on me. So one option is that Artabanus killed Xerxes' eldest son, the crown prince, And then he was, like, afraid of Xerxes' wrath, so then he killed Xerxes. Okay, so it was like a chain reaction. Yes. Okay. Then Xerxes' third son discovered, like, all of the murders, Uh and he kills Artabanus. That's our first option. Man, that one... That's a little far-fetched, That sounds complex to me. Yeah. A little too much. The second option is that he had ambitions for the throne himself. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he had already put his sons in positions of power. So he's like building his empire. He's scheming. He's scheming. So Artabanus kills Xerxes first, but then blames it on the oldest son. Ooh, cruel move. But that sounds like what happened. Yeah. Well, regardless of the chain of events, the throne is left empty. Xerxes is killed. Wait, what? Do we know if Artabanus for sure assassinated him? Like that's how he died, one hundred percent. I'm. I think it's like pretty very yeah. likely. Yeah. Okay. Like ninety ninety five percent. I just wanted to like, make sure yeah. that that part we knew. Yes. <laughs> Artabanus doesn't get far though. Within like that same year, Xerxes' third son, now mm-hmm. the one that's in power, he kills Artabanus. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't fuck with you, bro. So that's really the end of Xerxes. The Achaemenids are still in power in Persia. They stay in power for another like 300 years. Okay, man, that's a long time. It's a long time. Long empire. And um, yeah, aside from his war with Greece and the Battle of Thermopylae, he is best known for being a builder. Man, Xerxes the Builder. 
Cersei's the builder. And the horrible. Yeah. He also has the longest list of like conquered territories of any Persian king. So he did expand the empire. He just didn't expand into Greece. Man, so he did conquer more than anyone. Yeah. Conqueror and builder. The last thing on Xerxes is that we really don't know how his own people viewed him because all of our accounts of Xerxes have like now come through the Greeks. So they hated the Persians and would just put their own spin and bias on it. Yeah, so probably pretty one-sided. Yeah, and like we said, they favored an oral tradition. So they didn't have any like written accounts. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, it's good to know that. Mm-hmm. Like when you take it all into consideration. And I mean, when you think about it, that's why like the Western view of Xerxes is like the example from 300. Right. Which is like really stereotypical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like very problematic. Well, and then of course the Spartans could hold the pass and only yeah. lost two men. Right. Exactly. So yeah. like, you know, a lot of the accounts have a bias put them. So like how old was he about? Do we know? He was like ballpark 53 when he died, when he was assassinated. Okay. That's not, you know, that's not so bad. He did a lot. He did do a lot in that time and he only came to power at 32. So he yeah. was only on the throne for like 30 years. 20, 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. 20-ish. And like half of that time he spent preparing for the Greek war. Yeah, he was he was building those floats. Right. <laughs> I still can't believe that he had to build them twice. Had to build them twice and had to punish the river. Yeah, whip that river. <laughs> so now that we know everything that we know about Xerxes, would you invite him to the smoke circle? No. I don't think I would either. No. He would just talk about his dad the whole time. Yep. He'd be like, my daddy. He was the best. That's why daddy. he was Darius the Great. <laughs> or Cyrus, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to fulfill his dreams. I'm going to follow his blueprint, his blue map. Yeah, his bloop. <laughs> his bloop. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to hear it. Yeah. And I just feel like it would get a little warmongery. Yeah, I listen... I wouldn't mind Xerxes the Builder. I'd be like, yeah, okay, tell me about your vision, bro. Yeah, Xerxes the Builder would be cool. I want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, he would just be talking about his dad and killing people. I'm good. Yeah, I'm not into that. Yeah. Sorry, Xerxes. That's a pass. You just didn't make the cut. Yeah. (laughs) You're out. (laughs) All right, so that's Xerxes. And that's it. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Half-Baked History Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review or tell a friend. For show updates and more, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Half-Baked H-I-S-T-R-Y. See you next time.